Hi everyone and welcome back to Blame It on Marketing and in this week's episode we are talking about brand which is a difficult subject for Ruta and I to talk about at the best of times and we'll explain why in a minute Um, but without further ado I will hand over to our awesome guest Paul to introduce himself. Hello, yes, my first time on a marketing podcast, so this is a new, this is a new one for me. Uh, my name is Paul Devoy. I am the CEO of Investors and in People, which is a not-for-profit community interest company. Paul, can you tell us a little bit about your journey with the brand of Investors and in People? Because I'm sure most people listening to this have at least heard of Investors and in People. Um, so, what, what's your journey been like? Yeah, it's probably. Quite an unusual one, I would suggest, but I'm guessing maybe everybody that comes on your podcast thinks they're unusual. Um, <clears throat> so Investing People's a brand that was actually created by the government, and normally when government creates brands, they don't last very long, but this one's been going for over 30 years, and it got huge investment when it was launched in 1991. Uh, virtually every part of the public sector and a large part of the private sector during the 90s um, were required to go for investors and people. So it became absolutely enormous. And the government pretty much bankrolled it. It bankrolled it through grants to employers who undertook the accreditation and it bankrolled it through its own um, branding. Unfortunately, I was not in charge of it during the time when it was flush with all that money. I <laughs> I took over when they pulled the plug on the money and I was uh, charged with making it financially self-sustaining without any money. And that was really challenging. So I started this job in 2012, just after the financial crash. And the government was pulling the plug through austerity on lots of public schemes. So there was a moratorium on marketing. You were not allowed to do any marketing in the public sector. And if you did want to do marketing, you had to apply for an exemption against these very rigid criteria that the Cabinet Office set. So you would set off with a marketing plan for a Ferrari and by the time you had went through the process, you had a marketing plan for a Trabant. It just was completely, and a Trabant was like an Eastern European car. I don't know, maybe I'm sure my age here. Um, so basically, you were left with something that was pretty much useless. So as a result, there was a disinvestment in the brand for about five or six years, probably more than that, maybe like seven years. And we had to try and find ways of keeping it current but during that period, because of the constraints we were working under, it still was well known because you saw the brand everywhere, but the people's understanding of it went became less and less and less and less. And that's the challenge that we've got now. It's got high recognition. So if you get a letter from the DVLA, you will see our logo on the bottom of it. You get a letter from a lot of NHS trusts, you'll see our logo in lots of places. But we haven't had the opportunity until recently now that we're out of government and we've generated our own um, free cash to invest in the future of the organisation, we've not really had the opportunity in the way that I would have liked to educate people about what investors and people actually is and what it actually does. And that's a big challenge we've got now, is how do we educate people about who we are and why it's important. Um, what does that look like to you guys in the day to day? Because could you could you give us a picture of what maybe the salespeople experiences or your experiences? Because people obviously know your name. But then do they come to you and you're like, uh, what do you actually do? Like, what does that look like? I'm really curious. So I think a lot of people think we're like a training company or something like that. So really what we see ourselves as is primarily as a community. We're a community organisations who believe in setting high standards for people management, who believe that, you know, investing in your people and having 
good leaders, having a positive culture, training your staff well, helping them fulfil their potential. It's the right thing to do. It's a good thing to do, but it's also the smart thing to do because it directly links to productivity and business performance. And if you want to have a long-term sustainable approach to developing your people, then having an accreditation like ours and working to our frameworks is a really brilliant way of doing that. And then you become part of a community where you get to learn from other organisations who have the same belief system as you, um, network with a diverse range of different types of people, learn from a diverse range of different people. Um, so it's not only do we give you insight, but we give you the opportunity to learn and develop by bringing the community together. Awesome. And so I think one of the things that people be interested in here, because I think a lot when a lot of people talk about brand pool, they probably have the opposite issue, which is actually nobody knows who they are and also they don't know what they do. <laughs> but um but I, I'm really interested to hear from your perspective how how through marketing you're you're you know you're trying to resolve this. To, to sort of like grow that awareness but also at the same time educate so I'm interested in your um in your views on how you're trying to sort of tackle that at the moment and how does that also align to the purpose of the organization because you talked about community there and that's a huge thing for investors in people yeah yeah so our purpose is to make work better and we do that by designing frameworks that describe what good looks like and help organizations um benchmark themselves against that we've got about 150 consultants, practitioners who help organisations go through that process, support them all the way through it. Um, so in terms of like what it means, there's been a say, can I say do gap. So what people perception of the brand is and what we actually do, and if I'm being really self-critical, I think in the past we haven't quite got that right in terms of how we articulate the value that we provide. Um, so that what people see in terms of the branding and then what the experience when they hit the website and what the experience when they see any of our written work or content, that there is there's a coherence and an alignment through it. There isn't any dissonance. And I think in the past there's been quite a lot of dissonance. Um, I think we've tried to be everything to everybody rather than being confident about who we are and what we stand for and being really, really, really clear about that. Uh, and I think when we were in government, there was a kind of lack of confidence and because we were dealing with all these constraints, we just tried to be everything to everybody. But I think now, as a social enterprise that's been going six years now and is really successful, we've got that confidence to be really clear about who we are, what we stand for and what we are and what we are not, um, and be confident that people will buy into that. Yeah. Am I allowed to talk about some of the stuff that we've tactically done, Paul? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Because I think because I think that'd be quite interesting for people to hear. So so one of the things that you guys have done is you've done a brand messaging project, which I think when people hear brand, one of the reasons that it sometimes gives Ruta and I the ick is because they go for the look and the feel of something and they and then they lack the kind of like the depth and the clarity, which is what you're talking about, about what they actually do and what the purpose of what they do, you know, and what all that all, that all means. And so we could have in reality been like oh let's have a relaunch of investors in people let's come up with a new logo and a new color palette and a da, da, da. and we were like no let's focus in on being clear and making sure that all our messaging across all of our digital channels and then sort of working out how to um embed that within the organization first so that everybody's speaking from the same hymn sheet the digital channels reflect that so that everybody does have that clarity and then you can go back about building 
go back at you know and try and look at other things like your brand awareness or all sort of stuff is that is that, is that fair Paul if I summarize that right in terms of how we're trying to tackle some of it yeah I think that's exactly right and the work that Etty's done with us and really trying to be crystal clear on the language we use and how we describe ourselves that's what I see is dealing with that dissonance between what the brand is and what we actually deliver and that clarity of the experience all the way through so I think that's been a big step forward for us and that is reflecting what all our sales teams say now so that it goes right the way through what our account managers say what our practitioners say that everybody's aligned on that messaging one of the i think one of the other reasons why emma and i get the ick when it comes to brand is because your brand isn't what you look like that's a very small bit of you know your brand is much like a person you know all your value isn't in what you look like it's in how you are as a person so having now that alignment it sounds like you guys know who you are and that means that whenever you go out to the world you're going to be being your brand and representing the right values and saying things that make sense so that everyone understands what you do which is the bit of brand that kind of I feel like sometimes gets glossed over um it's actually being consistent and representing what you're meant to be representing in everyday whether it's an email, a call, a, a hello somewhere in an event, uh, which I think makes the, the biggest difference. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. And one of the issues that we had in the past was that we used to be delivered through a set of franchises and they liked to, liked to see themselves as consultancies, but we are not a consultancy business. So they, when they were speaking about us, they wanted to put their spin on it related to what they did in their wider organisation rather than just the franchise element that they ran for us. And that was one of the things that caused a lot of the dissonance. Whereas now that messaging is crystal clear from you know, the branding, through the website, through our collateral, through our content, um, through what all our people say. There isn't any um, disagreement or misinterpretation of what it is. And this is it's only in the last, well, since we've been working with Emma that we've really, really got that nailed down. And Etty, mustn't forget Etty. I'll shamelessly plug Etty's episode. Um, we will we will put it in the link. Um, we talk about content on there, so I feel like it'll be a good listen if you enjoy that kind of thing. Thank you. Um, so as we said, lots of people who will be listening have kind of got the opposite issue, actually, Paul, which is that they they don't they have little brand awareness and therefore potentially little brand understanding as well. Is there any kind of words of advice that you give people? Because obviously there did there was a point where you guys were actually investing quite heavily in brand at one point, and you kind of pulled that back and had a rethink. Is there anything that you would share with those people who were like on that journey to trying to get that recognition? Yeah, it's, it's really easy to spend a lot of money on that. <laughs> really easy. And and I would advise you not to do that um, because I'm not convinced that it actually gives you the bang for buck that you need. I think you need to get your messaging right first. Um, and then, as you said, Ruta, it's not about what you look like on the outside, it's what you convey about what you like on the inside. That's the most important bit. So for me, being really clear about your purpose and articulating your purpose, articulating your why. Um, and I like the kind of golden circle. You know, you start with your why and then you talk about the what and the how. And if you're consistently communicating that and getting that into the right channels in front of the people that you want to learn about you and understand you, then that's, that's if I had the benefit of hindsight going back seven or eight years that's where I would have started um, instead of you know we, we did a rebrand and 
uh, early on when we came out of government because the branding agency told us we were dusty. And they were they were right in what they're saying. We were we were kind of that was the words. After all the reviewing they did, they came back and said your brand's dusty. Um, but what we should have done was focus more on communicating the value of it rather than trying to put a fresh coat of paint on it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, who were we? Was it me and you, Emma, that were talking to someone the other day, and I was like, "Oh, they're doing a brand um, like refresh and a website refresh," and someone was like, "Yeah." <laughs> It was just one of those things. Um, I think not to show on agencies in the slightest, but it's something easy to sell. It's you can see it. It's a fun workshop for everyone. There's outcomes and it changes things, so it feels like shit is happening. But um, maybe it is, but not necessarily. Um, I think your advice is especially useful when you think about kind of more niche products because like uh on our prequel i was like i i've known who investors and people are as in like the brand name since i was a teenager because it was on my school letters um because they had an accreditation but because you sell to organizations who want to improve um their people management and people development like that's that's a niche area to be in right so it's about making sure that you actually reach the right people because many many people like me as a teenager can know who you are but that won't lead to any sales i certainly won't um maybe now i will when i get older and maybe that's an argument but you know being in the right channels is so important and being in the right um in front of the right people is so important yeah and because a large part of our target audience is the hr community and you know they've moved on in a lot of ways um on the other things and then they still saw the relevance of us, but it had not been something that had been communicated to them effectively. And now we get back to communicate to them about community and about our purpose. Then they're like, oh yeah, that is interesting. That is something that we would want to align to. So starting with that is a better place to start than saying, oh, look, look at how, how nice our branding looks now. When people want to do a brand refresh, I think it always comes with the best of intentions, um, as in because you're probably a new head of marketing or a new director of marketing and you're like, how can I come in and make a big splash and then put my stamp on it? Um, but I do I do definitely agree that people should err on the caution, side of caution when it comes to doing that sort of stuff. And, you know, in the same way that we would say, you probably don't need a new website, you probably don't need a new CRM. You know, it's all of those sorts of things. Maybe it is about being yeah clearer around the purpose of the, the product or what the service that you offer and and not trying to you know reinvent the wheel emma and i are all about the ceo that gets it we talk about this mythical ceo all the time um so we had an interview with Sue, um on the last season and we consider you to be a ceo that also gets marketing so it would be a shame not to ask you um how other ceos or other senior leaders can do a better job to support their marketing teams so the big thing for me is trust. And so I start from, a, um, you know how people say trust has got to be earned? Well, I start with, I trust people. For me, it's just about making sure that you ask the right questions and you're clear up with the marketing team about what you want to achieve. Um, and then really spend and invest time and understand what their perspective is and what they, what they advise is the best way of approaching things. And making sure that they're having conversations with as many people in the organisation as possible. Because I think where we tripped up in the past was marketing kind of operated in a vacuum. And what I try to do now is make sure that we socialise everything right across the organisation and get the perspectives in. 
um, and just be there for support and encouragement. Um, I am not a marketing expert. I'm not really an expert very much. Um, so I rely on the people who are experts and I trust them to do their job. And my job is, if I'm confident that they know what they're talking about, um, then my job is to support and put the put the things in place that, that gives them the best chance of succeeding. That's the way that I try to approach it. Emma might say that's not what I do, but that's what I intend to do. <laughs> I was going to ask Emma, what does that look like in the practical? <laughs> um, I think it means uh, I, what I really like uh, liked about working with you, Paul, is the fact that you do trust the team and you do listen to us. So sometimes, you know, we'll come together as, you know, with the senior leadership team or other people across the business and people will naturally question what marketing are doing because it's just that kind of department. But if we come back and we say to you, well, actually, the reason we're doing this is X, Y, Z and we can actually back that up and evidence it, you go, yeah, all right, off you go. Um, and you kind of like clear the pathway for us to do that stuff. So I think that's that's been one of the things that's so refreshing about working with yourself and the other senior leaders at Investors in People is you're all very good at doing that and having really realistic conversations um, and honest conversations, which again, I think is really valuable for anyone who works in marketing because then you can just lay your cards out on the table and then get stuff done. I think it's just a bit starting from trust and having really open and honest conversations. Um, that's, I think that's a mantra for most things in life, isn't it really? But, you know, I think if you do that, then it gives marketing the best chance of, of succeeding. Uh, yeah. And, you know, things don't always go smoothly in marketing. There's ups and downs, much like there is in any other department. But if I feel like things go really wrong if you feel like you have to hide that stuff and you can't work it out and talk about it. And just trying small things and doing experiments to see what works and testing things out. That's that's the way that I like to operate because it, it lets you know whether something's going to work or not, but also reduces your risk in terms of, you know, like throwing the kitchen sink at something. Yeah, you've been really supportive of that, actually. I think that's I think that's important because I think a lot of people look at the budget and go, oh, we can't afford to experiment because we need to just do what works. But actually, we've always been able to have the conversation where we've gone, actually, we don't always know what works. So we need to try some stuff out. And uh, again, you guys have just been really responsive to that and and backed us when we've tried to to experiment with stuff. And then we can actually find out what works, which is a good position to be in. I saw a TED talk once and they were talking about some, I think it was like a um, soap powder manufacturer and they had this nozzle that um, wasn't working and they had all of these clever designers go away and try to come up with the perfect nozzle. And then, and it was, I think it was an evolutionary biologist or something came back and said, they just tried 10 different ones. They, picked, they found the one that worked best and then they did 100 different versions of that, found the one that didn't best and then did that 100 different versions of that. And then they got to the perfect nozzle after hundreds of tests and it looked uh, it was a really weird shape and nobody knew why it was the shape it was but it worked but through experiment and testing and that's how they got to the right answer and that's and I that's always really stuck with me that the more you experiment and the more you try things you'll probably end up you'll end up with the right answer but it probably isn't the answer that you thought you would end up when you kicked off. Is there anything that we should have asked you about brand about being a CEO that gets marketing and supporting your people that we didn't? I thought you might have asked me how do you decide how to set the marketing budget? Yeah. 
Yeah. How us? do you? Yeah, tell us. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, for me, it's a kind of it's a kind of bottom up and top down. What they market and think they need in order to meet the objectives, and us as an exec team being clear about where we need to get to, and what. And then have an exploratory conversations about well, what's going to be the best route there. Um, so for me, it's not like saying at the start, well, we're about to go into a business planning process now. It's not about saying, well, you've got X amount and that's it. Do the best you can with it. It's about saying, right, well, where could we possibly get to? And therefore, what are the options in terms of what the market and budget might look like in order to get us to that? And let's explore what those options might look like. Paul, thank you so much for joining us. Um, it's been a it's a wonderful twenty five minutes, um, flown right by. And if anyone has any questions for Paul, uh, we're hoping that he will join us on blame it on blame it on marketing um, And also, um, you can find him on LinkedIn, of course. Um, thank you again, and we hope to see you on the next episode.